Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's a delight and it's a privilege to to be here to worship with you all from Manor Community again and then uh, with you folks from Grand Rapids. And it was a joy to see uh, those of you who participated in leading the worship. It was a joy to see that, a joy to see you use your talents. And I just want to encourage you to to keep doing that. Uh, It's a blessing to to many. Um, I also want to say that after after the service, just uh, intermingle, mingle with each other. You might not, people from Manor, you might not know the people from Grand Rapids and vice versa, but uh, as believers, you have a lot more in common than you would think, uh, you might think. Uh, we're united to Christ, and so we're of the same family. And so there is a unity that is there. It's real, uh, whether or not you see it. And so, yeah, get to know each other. And that, that's the beauty of the gospel. It's the only thing on this earth that can break down all barriers, barriers of race, age, uh, and all these different diversities. Uh, and so, yeah, get to know each other. Um, today, uh, I would like to ask you to turn into your Bibles to Romans 8. Romans 8, and our passage will be 19 through 27. Romans 8, 19 through 27. So read with me. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind uh, of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So far we read from God's holy inspired word. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we worship you today on, on Father's Day. You are our, our good father. We have fathers on this earth, some of which are good and, and some of which are bad, Lord. But you are the perfect father and you take care of your children perfectly, Lord. And so we thank you. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for, for who you are. And Lord, we just read your word, uh, your word which is living and active today. And we pray that we would be taught by it today, Lord. And I pray that you would use, use my words to, to help the folks here take something away from it, to be edified, to, to grow, Lord. Uh, but I am a weak vessel and I, I need your help dearly, Lord. And so I, I pray knowing that, that you will give me the strength and the grace. And I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.
In our verses today, we see that believers are waiting for the fulfillment of our expected hope. We, we have the seal of the Spirit on us, which cannot be lost, but we are waiting for the full realization of our hope. When we will have redeemed bodies, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be perfect peace, when there will be no more sin, no more suffering, and no more tears. We're waiting for full satisfaction as we see Christ face to face. To sum it up, these verses that we just read uh, basically are saying, we are expectantly waiting or eagerly waiting for the glorification of all things. When all, th- all things will be brought back to the way they were created, to perfection and glory. These verses, they are about future glory. And they're also about how the Holy Spirit preserves us for this future glory. He carries us to, to this glory. But in this life, we, we have many sufferings, do we not? We, we face the death of loved ones or loved ones who do not know the Lord. Disease, persecution because we're Christians, anxiety or depression, uh, the, the loss of things that we hold dear to our hearts, possession, personal possessions, besetting sins, uh, stress or broken friendships, and family. And, and why is it that we, we, we face these sufferings in this life? Well, the text tells us today because Adam and Eve, they subjected themselves and with themselves all of humanity and the whole earth uh, to, to corruption and to meaninglessness. That is why we suffer. That is why there are thorns and thistles and why we work by the sweat of our brow and why death has entered into this world. Yet, The text shows us that creation was not subjected to sin and evil for nothing. Although creation was subjected into the state that we know and see it, uh, it was subjected unto hope that one day the promises made to Adam in the Garden of Eden, Eden after he fell and the promises made to Abraham and to Noah and to all of God's people that they, that they might be fulfilled that one day all of creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and will obtain the freedom of glory. And so we believers, we are waiting for our sonship and our daughtership to be fully manifested. We're waiting for glory. We are waiting for our present sufferings to cease as our citizenship in heaven is fully realized. And the creation too, as we will see, awaits this glory as well. We are in the already, not yet. Already our sins have been forgiven and and we have new life, yet we are awaiting the not yet, the full uh, realization of the promises of God. New bodies, new heaven and earth, and seeing Jesus face to face. A way to illustrate this is to think of the the ally armies who invaded Germany and liberated Germany. The war was over, but the full realization of that liberation had yet to be fully manifested. Or think of a a child who is conceived in the womb, but is not yet delivered. 
Or think of somebody who has uh, obtained citizenship in the United States, but has not yet left the, the tyrannical country that they grew up in. That person is already a citizen, but not, has yet to arrive in the new land. And the, the, the text before us today just tells us that we are in the state of the already, not yet. And it gives us hope in this, in this state, in this, in this time period, in this life. This life that we know to be the valley of the shadow of death. And so under the theme of hope in groanings, hope in groanings, I want us to consider uh, three things, three groanings. The creation groans, uh, we groan, and the spirit groans. Creation itself groans, and the, the text mentions that believers groan, and so I think it's clear what is meant when it says that creation is groaning. I think it, it's talking about the earth itself. It, it, it's that which God created apart from man. And, and we, we see this do we, today, do we not? I don't think we have to look that far. It could be a hurricane that, that sweeps the east coast. It could be tornadoes that devastate the southern states. It could be um, an earthquake in Japan, or it, it could be a worldwide disease that takes the lives of millions. Creation is groaning for salvation. It, it's yearning and longing for salvation. It is anxiously awaiting restoration. And so the whole earth, every part of it, is touched with a, pre- a sense of its present misery and hopes for renewal. But it is, it is eagerly waiting. It, it is sustained by hope. Because of, because of Adam's sin, all of creation should have fallen into chaos, disorder, derangement. Uh, it should have produced nothing but disorder. Yet this did not happen. Order was maintained by God's sustaining grace. His hidden strength supported, supported, it, supported it. All of creation is sustained by God until the incorruption and perfection that is promised is fully realized. He gives creation hope. And God's, God sustains it unto hope. And yet, yet creation along with humanity, uh, it, it will be part of a better condition. God, God will restore the creation. He will restore the world to uh, a new order. But I don't think that we should delve into necessarily what this will look like, uh, whether or not our, our pets will be with us in heaven or, or what, uh, if there will literally be streets of gold. But I think we should look at what the, cla- the text is uh, clearly stating. It's stating the complete order of things, that nothing will be deformed anymore and nothing will fade away. This groaning, it, it's not meaningless. It's not futile, but it's eager groaning that clings to, to the joyful hope of a better future. And the fact that creation is groaning points to the fact that there will be a better day, that one day it will be delivered and so it groans expecting a future remedy. It yearns for the day when God will, as Isaiah 65, 17 states, create new heavens and a new earth when the former things will not be remembered 
and when they will not come to mind. And now as we move to believers groaning, we see that we ourselves as believers were companions with creation in this groaning. Think of a young child, who, a young boy who's, who's been adopted by a family. That boy has not seen his new family, he's not seen his mother, his father, his brother, and his, his other siblings. And so this boy, he's, he's hoping for something that he does not see. This is his salvation, per se. And so like this boy who's waiting the realization of his adoption, we as believers await the full realization of the, of the glory that awaits us. Those who are born again by the Spirit, we groan all the more. We, we burn with a certain desire for glory. We yearn for it in the innermost part of our being. In this groaning that we have, it has two feelings. It has a, a, a burdened, it's burdened with a sense of present misery and also a, uh, a patient waiting for deliverance. You see here that believers are raised up to an expected hope. And because God has raised them up, they are a people who, who overcome their present miseries as they consider what lies ahead in the future rather than their present state now. We groan inwardly as we await the adoption as sons. We await the inheritance that is ours in Jesus Christ. We await the resurrection from the dead in which our bodies will be made new. And so death does not hold us in its grip anymore. Death was defeated by Jesus Christ on the cross and precisely when he rose again from the dead. We will die a physical uh, death, yes, but our souls will go to be with Jesus Christ. And on that great day, our bodies will be resurrected and we will be given perfect bodies like Jesus Christ. It will be a glorious renovation of our bodies. As we, we read in the text, hope, it reaches out or extends to something that's, that's not obtained. Uh, hope represents to our mind, things that are hidden and far away. So whatever is already possessed is not and cannot be the object of hope. You don't hope for something that you already have. And hope as well, it's regarding the future, not the present. And so as long as we are in the world as believers, we hope for our salvation. We are taken up with God, taken up with God in our hope far beyond what we cannot see, and, and thus we groan. We, we will work hard on this earth. We will be oppressed. We will mourn. We will be afflicted. We will even experience such dreadfulness that we will feel like death. But God has given us hope in the midst of that. He gives us meaning in the midst of our sufferings. And what follows this hope that we have in our groanings is patience. We do not have what we, we desire. We do not have our glorified bodies. The resurrection has not happened yet. We, we, are, we don't see Jesus face to face. And so we patiently wait for that day to come. And, and as we wait, we, we comfort ourselves, we comfort uh, other people uh, in, uh, to be patient, in this patience. 
And so we see that hope draws patience with it. We must bear our trials. We must bear our sufferings and tribulations as we await the glorious day of the resurrection. Faith's companion is patience. And what a glorious truth this is, that in the midst of our present miseries, we are comforted, we are encouraged, and we are ultimately spurred on so that we can bear them with less difficulty. And finally, the Holy Spirit groans. He too awaits the day of glorification. And he intercedes for us with a groaning that, that is unutterable, that has no words to it. But he is communicating with the Father. He pleads with the Father on our behalf. And what an amazing thing that is that he, he takes an active role in our lives. We are very weak creatures and many trials threaten us to fall. Yet the Holy Spirit protects us. Uh, he sustains us. And his protection proves sufficient in preserving our lives so that we are kept from being overcome by evil. And we also, we also see in this text that when we don't feel like our, our prayers are being answered or when we, we don't even... We can't even get ourselves to pray because the sufferings in this life are too much. We, we can't even utter, utter words that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us then. He's pleading to God on behalf of us then. And so you can know that our prayer, your prayers are lifted up to God and through the Holy Spirit you shall be heard. It's all of grace. The fact that we are even able to knock on God's door in prayer and the fact that our prayers are heard are all by the sovereign grace of God. It is due to the grace of God through the work of the Holy Spirit who opens our hearts. It's amazing, isn't it, how, how personal and intimate our God is. He knows our hearts and, and our thoughts better than we do. He's the great searcher of our hearts. And what a, a, what, you see how this strengthens our, our confidence that we are known uh, by God better than ourselves and that we are heard by God when we pray. That God, God does not reject us. He, he does not reject our thoughts and desires as if they are new to him or strange to him. But he allows them and he kindly accepts them as approved by him. I sometimes think to myself, if people knew what I prayed for in my prayer life, I, would, I might be embarrassed. But God is not like people. He's not like other people. God loves to hear from you, his people. Never think that God doesn't want to hear from you. Never think that your prayers do not measure up. And so no matter how we feel, no matter how we feel, we know that God hears us and loves us. And that, that's very important, I, th- I think, because we can, I can so often in my life, and I think the church can too, we can, we can go off of our feelings. If, if, if I'm not feeling it, well, God must, must not be favoring me. But that's not true. We, we, we go to the word. What does God say? That he loves us and he hears our prayers and that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And so, do you groan inwardly? Do you groan for deliverance from your present suffering? 
Maybe, maybe you've maybe you grown inwardly because you, you struggle with uh, mental illness. Maybe you've grown inwardly because of a death of a loved one. Or maybe death is knocking on your door. Or maybe you suffered great personal loss of possessions. Maybe you have a, a terminal disease. Or the war that you see going on in the world today troubles you deeply. Or maybe you groan because you are mocked for being a Christian. Or maybe you groan because you, you suffer family dysfunction or disunity. Or maybe you groan because of the wickedness you see in society. Or maybe you groan because of the wickedness in your own heart. Or maybe you groan simply just having to get out of bed every day to face the day ahead of you. I know I have my personal groanings. This life is hard. It's full of pain and suffering. It's full of afflictions, trials, doubt, fear, and death. There is much reason for groaning. There's much reason for agony. Much reason to cry out to to God for deliverance and say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Well, take hope, have hope. The fact that you are groaning is happening because the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart, in your mind. He made you a new creation. He united you to Jesus Christ through faith. And so you seek salvation. You desire hope for restoration and deliverance. The groaning that you experience is evidence that you belong to Jesus Christ. Be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by that. And this hope, as we know, and that we hold so dearly to our heart, this hope for uh, for salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. He is the one who brought salvation to humanity. He is the one that will restore the world. He will bring about a new world order. He will make all things new. This salvation is guaranteed. It's guaranteed by Jesus' death, resurrection from the dead, and ascension into glory because Jesus died on the cross he paid for your sins because he rose from the dead all those who believe too will rise from the dead and because Jesus ascended into heaven to glory so too will all those who believe in him ascend into heaven in glorified bodies if you believe in Jesus Christ you have much hope and encouragement you have the certain promise of the restoration of this earth, the promise of the redemption of your body, the promise that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. You have assurance of salvation, salvation that cannot be lost, for it is certain in Christ. And so as Romans 8 verse 18 says, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed to us. Yet you may not be a believer or maybe you are on the fence. You recognize God's word is true and that Jesus is the Savior. And maybe you even groan for a better day, a better, a better uh, day when there is no more sin, suffering, and tears. Well, this message is just as much Uh, for you as it is for believers. All of the hope and encouragement found here in this text can be yours. 
All you need to do is humble yourself before God. Reach out to him in prayer and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Name them to him. Then cling to Jesus Christ as your savior. The one who paid for your sins on the cross. Confess your sins to him and trust Jesus as your savior. This life is it's difficult it's full of sufferings and pain, and so do not be one who goes through all of that in vain or in meaninglessness. But trust in Jesus Christ, who takes all of your weaknesses and your sufferings, and he turns it into your good. He uses it for your good, using it to mold you into his image. It is only through the path suffering that we must go to get to the other side of glory. For through suffering we are made perfect, made alive, uh, made into the image of Jesus Christ. And so find much hope in this, this, this text, hope in the, the midst of your sufferings and be encouraged by it and always look to the future of what uh, is waiting for you. Amen, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is life, that it is truth and wisdom, and it's light on our path, Lord. For this present life of ours is, is full of, of trials and afflictions and sin, Lord. And without your word, without the truth, Lord, that one day there, there will be restoration of all things, Lord, we would, we would be like the world and we would say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That is all we have. But Lord, you have revealed yourself to us. And so help us to take refuge in your word, to take refuge in Jesus Christ, and to be certain, to be assured that one day we will, we will be with you in glory. We will be like you. Where there will be no more tears and no more sufferings. Meet your people where they are at today, Lord, in their, in their, in their own situations. You know it. And Lord, those who, whose hearts needs to be softened, do that work too, Lord. And I know that you will. And I pray this all in Jesus' name.